Hi, I'm Jayant Sriram and welcome to In Focus, the Hindu's analysis podcast. Thanks for joining us. In today's episode, we deal with the crucial issue of regulation of digital media in India. On November 11, that's yesterday, the government issued an order bringing all online news portals and over-the-top, that's OTT content providers such as Netflix, Amazon Prime Video and Hotstar, under the regulatory purview of the Information and Broadcasting Ministry. So, this is a move, of course, with far-reaching consequences. And it could kickstart an era of more frequent and stricter censorship on what online services air and what online news platforms publish. As my colleague Anuradha Raman, also my guest for today's episode of the podcast, writes in The Hindu, the Information and Broadcasting Ministry has found a vast swathe of unregulated content, namely news online and OTT platforms, which had escaped any architecture of regulation. While the print was regulated by the Press Council of India and television, both news and entertainment were being regulated by the Cable Networks Regulation Act of 2005, content online, the government felt, fell into a black hole with no oversight. So what kind of oversight will this be? How will this order actually work in implementation? And what is the potential for misuse or overreach? These are the questions we will be discussing today. I should note that even as we are recording, we were waiting on comments from the INB minister which may clarify some of these aspects of how this regulation might work. So we may come back to you again with further details. For now, here's Anuradha Raman. Anuradha, thank you so much for joining us on the InFocus podcast today and making time for us. Thank you, Jayanth. Happy to be here. Right. Uh, so the first, first point that we should consider in the story, um, we have some form of regulation for both newspapers and television in India. Uh, but, you know, on all online content, digital content kind of falls into this sort of black hole, which is a bit strange because it's not as if digital content is new in India. Uh, it's almost two decades old. And over the past decade, it's fairly obvious that it's really growing at this, you know, unprecedented pace. So uh, why is it that we don't have regulation? And is this attempt by the INB ministry really out of the blue? Was there like an earlier attempt to regulate digital content? So, Jayant, uh, not entirely correct to say that uh, this is an attempt out of the blue. Um, back in 2000, a very serious attempt was made to, uh, you know, regulate uh, online content, which was really at a very nascent stage. It was at an infant stage at that time. And under the Vajpayee government, um, Eminent jurist uh, Fali Nariman was actually appointed to, and under him, a certain architecture was sought to be provided uh, to regulate online content, and it was called the ICE regulation, which meant, uh, which was an acronym for Information, Communication, and Entertainment. And uh, this legislation, the draft of the legislation, I remember, ran into a couple of pages. It was a very thick document. And it was really uh, the first attempt made for a comprehensive legislation addressing the concerns of radio, television, 
and online and the content beamed on all three platforms and after that of course the government fell so so that was the end it went it went into cold storage so it would be really nice if the the current inb ministry were to fish out that uh, you know the draft and really look at it instead of starting afresh or starting a new yeah that's really interesting so uh, back in 2000 um I don't know like what was what was the state of uh, digital media in India in 2000 I'm just trying to you know myself to try and remember but um very but, very early I mean you, right. you did not have any of the news websites that you see now you yes. did not have news portals either um but you know i mean you have to give it to our uh, uh, our lawmakers who had the foresight to see that this is how technology would take shape you know much as our constitution framers could see i mean even when they're drafting in the 40s it is a constitution that has held us good for so many years right into 2020 so you know you you have to give it to the vajpay government to be able to uh, kind of foresee that a time would come when you would need some kind of a legislative ground to see this very developing nascent kind of a uh, a platform uh, you know which has now become this huge huge uh, uh, platform for all of us now so so i i think uh, in in a very traditional way the 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 uh, the, the lawmakers uh, were attempting to kind of put together uh, a kind of a template that would address the concerns 20 years down the line um otherwise you know if you were to ask what was the provocation there was no immediate provocation because we were still in the dark ages as far as online content was concerned um uh, but i think it was a very commendable effort made back then to give us a legislation that was also a very comprehensive it was not a piecemeal legislation addressing the concerns of television or addressing the concerns of radio or addressing the concerns of internet it had it had one kind of a, a big umbrella architecture um, what could be better than that for all of us yeah and so interesting that it happened uh, you know 20 years ago yeah. was it modeled uh, do you think in any way on um, international regulation because i assume you know back then other countries might have had a slightly more advanced okay, uh, scene with regard to internet yeah giant because uh, you know if you look back uh, whether it's a constitution or whether it is several statutes we have looked up to uh, you know britain and uh, america uh for for giving us a certain kind of template uh because nobody can really start creating something afresh you can address local concerns so in this case too uh, an attempt was made to look at what were called what was there what is still called ofcom the office of communications which is for britain and then uh, there was uh, you know we incorporated the best practices that were there in the fcc so together these two bodies gave us a kind of a blueprint to address our own concerns in our country so yes to that extent uh, we were both inspired and we we also took it forward to tailor it to our needs and concerns and anuradha since uh, since 2000 and you know perhaps uh, coming back to something more recent um have there been any attempts during um, the modi government perhaps during the first or the second uh, nda uh, government to kind of uh, bring any kind of regulation to digital media ah uh, yes giant uh, you know exactly a year ago uh, as we speak uh, the 
BJP government in November 2019 had uh, uh, proposed the amendment to the archaic Press and Registration of Books Act to include the following proviso that publishers of news on digital media shall register themselves with the Registrar Newspaper of India. Now, as you know, the Registrar Newspaper of India, or RNI, is the authority uh, where newspapers and uh, news magazines uh, register themselves, you know, for clearance of titles. And so they submit themselves to a broad kind of a, a government oversight. And this uh, perhaps is the first time anywhere in the world that a similar provision was being uh, suggested to bring news websites under some kind of a government oversight. Not just that, actually. I think the draft bill, which has run into uh, problems ever since it was put out on the RNI website for public comment, also kind of stipulates um, uh, the editorial uh, personnel who can run these websites. Uh, besides saying that it should be an entity incorporated and registered in India and any of the usual um, uh, legal framework, it also says that um, persons running this website uh, shall not be, uh, they, you know, like permission would be excluded for those who have been convicted by any court for an offense involving terrorist act or unlawful activity or of having done anything against the security of the state. These are all vague clauses. And what does, you know, um, what does the expression having done anything against the security of the state actually mean? Does it mean, for instance, a website that is critical of uh, Modi government's foreign policy um, uh, would then automatically be uh, construed as having done something against the security of the state? Uh, we really don't know. And uh, rightfully, uh, sorry, rightly, the, the, the draft bill, which is on the RNI website, has kind of uh, encountered stiff opposition from several stakeholders. And, and if we were to just rewind a little further, in August 2019, the Modi government had introduced a 26% cap on FBI for news websites subject to official approval. Now, both of them taken together would suggest that the government uh, would suggest the government's intent of have you know wanting to regulate this uh, this largely unregulated uh, huge what i call a black hole yeah and um, do you feel that this order um, is is that maybe a way to smooth this process and, over yeah you know in the sense if you were to guess uh, because the government has not clarified anything so far as we speak right now uh, uh, yes because you know by giving the inb ministry the power to um, kind of uh, let us say uh, regulate uh, news websites uh, or in our online news content and other OTT platforms, this could be uh, perhaps a, a way of smoothening the resistance that is uh, currently being, um, you know, displayed by several stakeholders to the amendments of the PRB Act. Right. So um, before we get to the specifics of what the INB Ministry uh, wants to do and the specifics of how they might go about it, I just want to ask you to take us back a little bit to how um, newspapers and television are regulated. Um, it's been a while now since news on television has been 24 hours. I'm just curious to know, um, you know, with the codes and laws that regulate 
television are they kind of dynamic to they keep up with these developments so uh, newspapers uh, which have been around for more than 150 years um, uh, newspapers are kind of uh, let's not use the word governed but they are regulated by the press council of india which is a statutory body so what this really means is that uh, the press council of india is supposed to uphold the freedom integrity and independence of uh, the print industry number 1 and number 2 since it is uh, headed by a former supreme court judge uh, the idea is to provide a platform to any aggrieved community to air their concerns about content being aired in newspaper and provide a redressal mechanism how it works is how the press council works through several members who are a part of the print industry is whenever a complaint is received they look into it they call the both the aggrieved uh, and the uh, you know the party as well as the let's for want of a better word put it as perpetrator um yeah. they, they both call and they are given time to explain uh, you know why a certain article was aired and uh, uh, whether it should be taken off uh whether whether the editor should apologize for putting that content in first place or whether they should be penalized for putting that content so that is how print is taken care of when you come to television unfortunately uh, what really happened in in india is that cable came in you know with 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 the with the iraq war and and i'm talking about early 90s now and that is when india was introduced to what was called cable uh, network television by which your cable operator kind of made you uh, made hundreds of channels available to you every household home the technology came in in 1990s and the regulatory framework came much later i think 15 years later in 2005 with the passing of the cable regulation act and the cable regulation act while it kind of regulated the cable industry as far as the content on television was concerned and i mean content both on entertainment as well as news the architecture for regulating content was borrowed from what was called uh, what is called the program code which was the code that governed all india radio so that was the code that was lifted and put into the cable regulation act and that is what is called the the code the program code for television channels which they're all supposed to follow and the code is literally a list of don'ts it says do not offend uh, morality do not offend uh, any uh supreme court uh, judgment or judges do not cast aspersions on any particular community it's a list of several don'ts that in turn are lifted from restrictions to free speech under article 192 so what i'm actually trying to say is that as far as television is concerned we have allowed technology to really go much ahead of us and then we have thought of putting in some kind of a regulatory framework and i'm afraid this is pretty much what we are doing now to regulate online content which to my mind actually is is an impossible task uh, if the inb ministry is the sole um, uh, is the sole how shall we say the sole regulator of content right yeah no the, that uh, that was what i was thinking because if television is 24 hours you know internet and digital is sort of om- omniscient omnipresent i mean it's uh, regulating it is uh, is going to be extremely challenging and but would they still uh, basically draw 
would they still use this uh, program code as a kind of a template to do any kind of regulation it's interesting that you asked me this question because it's the same question i asked in uh, you know the ministry officials today uh, as to whether it is the program code uh, that is going to be the template for drawing up the code uh, to regulate online content and the official very mysteriously said uh, i'm not going to get into that right now uh, but i suspect uh, 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 that is going to be the template and not only that uh, you know let me tell you that there was there was what was called a media monitoring service you know in the early 2000 which was a legacy of the british uh empire uh by which you know the the monitoring services kept a control on our uh, radio channels then so the media monitoring service then you know later on under the independent uh, government of india and successive governments began to keep a watch on television channels this was then called i think back in 2008 it was called the electronic media monitoring service which literally meant that uh, somebody is going to keep a watch on Uh, on on what are uh, on the content of television channels now i suspect giant the same electronic media monitoring service is going to be pressed into service the mandate is going to be uh, enlarged uh, the mandate is going to get bigger by in, you know introducing online content to their work so i i suspect although there was no kind of clarity from the government as as we speak i think this is how they are going to go yeah okay um again so many questions there what is i mean how many people is this electronic media uh, monitoring service staff by um, you know who are these people are they basically from the bureaucracy no no it is headed by uh, uh, you know an information service officer but right. the, but the monitors are could be people like you and me you know uh, and, okay. and and uh, we would be paid uh, by the hour so it's a 12 hour cycle where we sit glued in front of television monitors watching watching television channels and anything that is objectionable in the sense of that is found violating the program code uh would would immediately be asked to explain as to why such a, a content was aired on the channel and so on and so forth so quite typically i think there are about 35 to 40 people uh monitoring about 250 or the entertainment and news channels quite a task we are looking at and especially when you come to online content where content is changing literally by the minute i think it's going to be a herculean task to have so many monitors um you know we are looking at a bureaucratic nightmare right now in the sense of uh, uh, what is the system that is going to be put in place uh who are the people who are going to be uh, in this particular system and two will there be a grievance redressal mechanism in the sense if somebody objects to hypothetically speaking content being put uh, on on you know um, on our platform on the hindu platform and right. then you know uh, who is going to kind of send us letters asking us to explain our position how much time will we be take uh, will be given to us to you know defend our position and uh, and then you know there is an immediate takedown notice also so 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 all these questions uh, are bothering me right now and i'm you know i'm not even going there right now because i do not think uh, the ministry has really kind of thought through this whole decision at the moment what they've really done is uh, you know they they've just argued with the it ministry that uh, since we regulate content on radio and television uh we should be allowed to con- 
you know, regulate content um, on the web. That's about it. Yeah. Okay. So that uh, one, so one distinction that uh, I perhaps should have covered earlier, but which is that um, basically uh, television, newspaper and television is mon- is sort of regulated by the INB ministry, but digital content comes under the IT ministry. Right. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. Right. So that's basically the root of why the INB ministry is seeking to uh, bring digital also under its ambit. So um. Right. I'm sorry if I'm uh, if I may transgress. Uh, yeah. The, the the thing is, you know, the, this uh, uh, the new order signed by the president also brings in OTT platforms like Netflix and Amazon Prime and you know what have you, all the movie channels that are going to be there. So I am uh, I am also intrigued because you already have a statutory body called the Central Board of Film Certification whose job it is to certify films. Now, why is the INB ministry interested in usurping the role of CBFC? It could have given CBFC the job of, you know, also regulating OTT content. I do not understand why the ministry has decided to divide, uh, let us say, uh, films that are being exhibited on theatres as a job of the CBFC and those that will be on OTT platforms will be the ministry's preserve. It's a little intriguing. I mean, you know, this is a question that I would really like the ministry to answer someday. Or whether they're cutting the CBFC to size, I really don't know. Right, yeah. So, I mean, was that was that very deliberately worded that they specifically wanted to get these OTT platforms under their purview? It is, I would say deliberately worded. It is a part of the order that is signed by the president. So it is not only news, but also, you know, all OTT mm. platforms. So I am, I am, uh, you know, and, and, and also, you know, the ministry had uh, already, uh, you know, uh, let's go rewind a bit. Last month, the Supreme Court had asked the ministry whether there was any regulatory mechanism uh, for OTT platforms. And the ministry had expressed its wish uh, as well as desire. While saying no, uh, there was a wish to regulate content. So let, let, let's say that, that, that there was already uh, that kind of a desire that, uh, you know, that, that this content on, on these platforms was going unregulated and that they needed a certain check and balance. And as certain and as a senior ministry official told me that they need to be disciplined. <laughs> so that's scary. Uh, yeah. So, right. So this is the word that he's used. So I, I, I'm wondering how he's going to discipline uh, the OTT platforms. Right. No. So hypothetically, similar to the Press Council of India, is it possible that they could set up an other body and maybe you know uh, fill it with? Is there space here for you know getting political appointees to this uh, oh, in terms of regulation? Completely, because it is a government body. Right. I would, uh, I, uh, you know, it's very natural because that has been our history and tradition to stack up such bodies with, with, with your affiliates. So, yeah. Uh, so yes, we are going to see a lot of jostling in the future for, for, for uh, you know, for, for uh, getting into such bodies. Because uh, let's not forget these bodies uh, wield enormous clout. Uh, you know, they may not uh, uh, pay you. Uh, but as with government bodies, you're, you'll be allowed to a travel allowance, uh, a TA. Uh, you'll be allowed your uh, chai and samosas. And uh, you will also be able to literally kind of uh, uh, 
dictate to a channel, uh, sorry, dictate to a, a website uh, that its news content should be taken down. So, so it, it's actually very Orwellian. And I, I see the INB ministry emerging as some kind of a super censor now. Yeah, uh, we should point out that, I mean, aside from, I mean, the, that's the, the internet scene has grown, especially in terms of news portals. Um, it's not just that, uh, you know, companies like ours, um, the Hindu has uh, content on their websites. There are now a whole bunch of them. There's Scroll, there's The Wire, there's, uh, there are yes. several others. So, you know, um, given that um, the rules may not necessarily be changed at the moment, what happens uh, I mean, when somebody finds something that's wrong in a newspaper, I think we sort of went over this in brief, but just to reiterate, what can happen? So they write a letter to somebody and then a notice is issued. Is that well, it? Let us say I am the aggrieved party and I write a letter to the Press Council of India uh, yeah. that uh, that a, part- a particular content in a newspaper was objectionable. You know, I just have to say objectionable. Right. Okay. and uh, And then as is the norm. I mean, the press council would go through, of course, it, it is expected to go through your complaint and, uh, and uh, you know, and satisfy itself that it is a legitimate concern raised by you. And then after having satisfied itself, it'll call the newspaper editor or the a representative sent by the editor and the aggrieved party. They'll come face to face and they will argue as to why a certain content was put in print and they will be given uh, the opportunity, both the parties will be given an opportunity to listen to each other and then the press council with its members, there are 21 members uh, of whom many are journalists and some are proprietor editors, uh, they will take a call as to whether it, uh, you know, whether the, uh, whether the complaint genuinely needs uh, readdressal and in, in which case either you would the editor would be asked to apologize for the content put in print or he would be penalized depending upon you know uh, the nature of the complaint let us say for instance let us assume uh, that uh, we have uh, we have taken an opinion that is blatantly communal but but it has somehow found its way uh, you know, then we'll be asked to kind of apologize for the content that we have put out in newspaper. The uh, same thing works in actually on television too. When when there is an in, you know there is an internal complaints committee, and the committee has home ministry, it has a, a defense ministry, it has communication ministry, it has INB ministry, and it has what is called the WCD ministry, Women and Child Development Ministry representatives of all these ministries go into the complaint and then arrive at a conclusion as to whether you should be penalized or whether your channel should be taken off air for about 24 hours or 48 hours or whatever they may be, you know, depending on the nature of the complaint. So these are the mechanisms that are already in place. So I'm very curious to know what would be the mechanism uh, for an online, uh, you know, aggrieved party uh, these are things that perhaps the INB ministry will take some time to formulate. Right. And, you know, obviously, I'm also foreseeing many challenges with regard to freedom of speech and expression. Um, are there, so have such problems cropped up with regard to the enforcement of things like uh, the program code for television? I mean, there is, we have the recent example of the Sudarshan TV thing, which is uh, being adjudicated Absolutely. in the Supreme Court. Yes. So, you know, I mean, in the case of Sudarshan TV, now that we are talking, it's it's amazing how the channel was allowed to air at least the first six episodes of this, uh, you know, the series that has started. It is also amazing that uh, no one 
kind of complained because the you know i i really am not privy to whether there was any complaint made to the ministry and if it was made did the ministry take a stand we do not know we just know that after six episodes uh, 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 a very let's say a vigilant uh, uh, member of the public kind of decided to move the court uh, so this was a pil that was heard and that was rightly heard i think so there have been n number of instances now this is a case of a communal program being aired but i do recall uh, let us say 3 years ago when ndtv india was ordered off air for a, for a for a day actually uh, because uh, um, of the patan court the way in which they kind of uh, telecast the patan court attack um and while all channels were doing it i found it a little kind of odd that ndtv india was uh, picked up for doing pretty much what other channels were doing so you know we we uh, we are going to get into this gray area where uh, newspapers or online platforms that are critical of the government are going to be constantly um, they are going to be defending themselves or trying to explain as to why they put out a certain content that did not uh, let's say satisfy the government of the day i am afraid since you brought out this freedom of speech issue that is how it is going to happen now i mean you know for instance uh, the press information bureau has now is now doubling up as a fact checker bureau so right. they call any news that is uh, critical of the government fake news right so 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 already there is a precedent already there is an example so actually it would appear that if you were critical of the government of the day you would be called to question right you know that's a lot to think about anuradha and just i just wanted to just get one thing clear the the provocation for this particular move by the anv ministry is uh, is the order by the supreme court or the kind of inquiry by the supreme court is that it no it was it was an order by the supreme court last month uh, ordering the the anv ministry uh to kind of provide a an architecture to regulate ott platform all right uh, with that clarification anuradha uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us on this episode of in focus i'm sure this is a subject that we will return to talk about very soon but thank you for joining us today thank you jayant love talking to you thank you in focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues in the meantime you can find our podcast on spotify apple podcasts stitcher and other platforms just search for in focus by the hindu we'll see you soon